invite you, if you have your Bibles this morning, to take them and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, this morning. We're in 1 Peter 4, this morning. And we will read the entirety of the chapter, 1 Peter 4. Let us hear the word of the Lord together. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his lifetime in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him, and well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Amen. We trust that God will add His blessing to the reading of His own holy and errant and infallible Word. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, God, I come before You this morning recognizing my total inadequacy. God, recognizing my total inability to preach thy word apart from thy Holy Spirit. 
And God, I pray that thou wouldst cleanse me and wash me. And God, that thou wouldst fill me afresh and anew with that Holy Ghost power from heaven. God, I need that unction, that function of the Spirit that makes all the difference. God, it is the anointing that makes all the difference today. And God, I pray, O oh God, that I would know something of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The God that as the Word of God is ministered. The God that we would smell the scent of the rose of Sharon today. The lily of the valley, the plant of renown. The God that we would know something, Lord, of the presence of the Lord Jesus in our midst. For he has promised that where two or three are gathered together in his name. There is he in the midst of them. God, we pray that we would know him walking in the midst of the church. The God, even in our gathering here today, that we would know the sweet presence of Christ in our midst. Oh God, how we pray today. God, we pray against just another church service. God, we pray that, Lord, as we hear the preaching of thy word, that it wouldn't just be another Sunday. But God, we pray for the power of the blessed Holy Spirit to rest upon us. And that, God, that we would leave here different than the way that we came. That, God, that your word would penetrate our hearts. And that, God, that we would truly be affected by the word of God. That it would be more than just head knowledge. That, God, it would reach and touch our hearts. That we would leave here having been men whose hearts the Lord has touched. And so, God, we pray, meet with us in a very special way. Grant again that power of Pentecost we ask. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look particularly with me at one verse this morning. It is found there in verse 17. For the time is come. The judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us... And here's our text. It is this question. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? A very sober question this morning. It is an undeniable fact that one out of one people will die. It's not a question this morning of if you will die, but when. The question this morning is, are you ready for that day? And in particular, we want to consider the end of the ungodly. Notice with me again our text. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? It is what is done with the gospel that ultimately determines the destiny of a man. Whether you go to heaven or hell is a matter that is wrapped up in the gospel. And those who call upon Christ by means of the effectual call of God will land in heaven. But those who turn a deaf ear to the gospel and do not repent and believe will land themselves in hell. This morning I want to bring the message Count the cost of being lost. Count the cost of being lost. My friend, you and I need to count the cost today of rejecting the gospel. My friend, if you die in your lost condition, it will cost you for all of eternity. 
My friend, you need to hear the words of Christ. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There is a high cost of being lost. And is this the place, and is this a price you are willing yourself to pay? So what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Consider first of all with me, therein, number one, will be hell. This is a word that strikes fear in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls all across the world, or it used to. I want you to consider with me the reality of this place called hell. In our scripture reading earlier, we read from Luke 16, and I want you to turn back there with me to Luke 16. And I want you to consider with me the reality of hell. Luke 16 and verse 22, the scripture says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Note this man was buried. And as soon as he was buried, as soon as his spirit departed from his body, he was in this place that is described to us as hell, being in torments. But however, today many deny the reality of a place of conscious torment of the damned. Even so-called Protestants deny a place of everlasting punishment. We, they are just like the Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists that deny eternal punishment. But some feel that hell is merely a state of mind. Some people would say to you and I today that we are living in hell. And people have used that phrase, well, it's like going through hell. And they have the idea that that is where they are today. Look, Pastor, look at our politics. Look at what's going on in our world. Look at the decline of where we are. This is hell upon earth. And they have the idea that hell is simply a state of mind. And it's not a real place that people go to after death. Many times the lost trivialize hell by simply reducing it to a cuss word. And you and I have heard it. We have heard people in their profanity and their vulgarity and their anger spewing out this word hell with a bunch of other profanity. One writer said, The use of the word hell lightly may be a half-hearted human attempt to take the concept lightly or to treat it as in an amusing way we tend to joke about things most frightening to us in a futile effort to declaw and defang them, reducing their threatening power. And this is what many people do. They just simply throw the word around and they're joking about something that inwardly inside terrifies them that they might end up in such a place. They will learn, as Adrian Rogers said, that you can laugh your way into hell 
but not out of it. Many a minister sadly avoids this topic that our Lord dealt with on so many occasions. I remember distinctly as a young teenager sitting in our little church in Orno, Maine. And I remember distinctly our pastor Robert Henderson standing behind the pulpit and preaching a message about hell. And I remember I was saved, but it drove within me a greater desire to tell my friends about this place, lest they should also go to a place of torment such as this. But sadly today, many a minister does not speak about the concept of hell. Almost all the teaching we have on hell comes directly from the mouth of the Savior. Of hell's 162 references, over 70 of them were uttered by the mouth of Christ. Many a Christian and minister have pushed this doctrine of hell to the side room in order to make Christianity more palatable for the lost. But one thing is certain, there is still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And hell is a real place. The scripture gives abundant testimony to its reality. Hell is just as real this morning as it's ever been. Just as you woke up this morning and the sun arose and the moon will rise this evening, just as certain as those things will take place, there is the certainty of hell. And if you do not know Christ, hell will one day be a reality for you. Not only its reality, but its terror. Look with me there in Luke 16 and verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Being in torments. Some have wondered if these torments are merely symbols. As some suggest, one writer said this, that if these images are indeed symbols, then we must conclude that the reality is worse than the symbols suggest. The function of a symbol is to point beyond themselves to a higher and more intense state of actuality than the symbol itself can contain. That Jesus used the most awful symbols imaginable to describe hell is no comfort to those who see them simply as symbols. And many people today, they take comfort and they say, well, this is just all symbolic. And that there's not literal fire and there's no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That, you know, it's just going to be a big party in hell. Well, if this is taken symbolically, it points to even far greater torment than what they could even imagine. We read here in Luke 16, 24, that in this place of terror, it is a place of fire. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We read in Mark 9, 43 through 48, several times Jesus spoke of this place called hell as a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. 
It is a place of eternal, everlasting fire. And you also will remember in this place of fire every opportunity that you had to, and every uh, gospel message that you ever heard, you will remember them. The Bible says there in Mark 9, 44, 46, and 48, that it is a place where their worm dieth not. Most commentators are in agreement that this idea of the worm is symbolic of the conscience. Not only is it a place of flame, but it is a place of conscious torment. They will remember every opportunity they ever had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They will remember every church service they have sat through, every sermon they have ever watched on YouTube or live stream or whatever it might be. They will remember every message that they ever heard and their conscience will gnaw them throughout all of eternity. I think about one man in particular. I remember... When I lived in northern Maine, I would go to various places and we would knock doors and we would invite people to church and we would share the gospel. I remember one man in particular. It was a man in a particular town where my family grew up in, in Allagash, and I remember knocking on his door. And he was known as being a drug dealer in that particular area. He was a, a middle-aged man, very thin, walked into his house. It smelled like uh, pot as you walk through the house and I remember sitting on his couch and I remember sharing with him my testimony. I remember sharing with him the gospel of Jesus Christ and I remember after I got done he said to me, he said, John, do you see that cat right there? I said, yes sir, I see that cat. He said, there's no difference between me and that cat. When I die I'm going to the same place that cat is, right down into the ground. I will return to dust. And he said, John, you know that church up that road? He said, I'll never ever darken the doors of that church. He said, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with the gospel. And I remember going and visiting that man several times. And I remember when my grandmother passed away, it was asked of my family to do her funeral service. I remember the church was filled to capacity on the lower floor and the little balcony was filled. They had the windows open and there was people standing out the back. And that man that told me that he would never darken the doors of the church, there he stood in the back doors of the church sitting, listening, and hearing the gospel. The man never did, to my knowledge, ever embrace Christ. He died just a couple years ago. And I wonder if he will remember not only me coming to him, but others that have come to him to share with him the gospel. It is a place of fire, a place where their conscience will remember for all of eternity. And you will long, that person that there is in hell will long for someone to tell their family of this horrible, terrifying place. If that man never got right with God, he is doing the very same thing that this man we read in Luke 16 is doing. He is begging that someone would return and tell his family about this horrible place, lest they also come to this place of torment. This place is a place of fire, it is a place of conscious torment. But all the senses also will be functioning in this place of hell. 
We read that there is sight. In Luke 16, 23, he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He saw the others in torment. We read not only taste, but sight, sight, but also taste in Luke 16, 24. He said that he may dip the tip of his finger and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He just wanted a drop of water. It is a place of sound. In Luke 16, 22 through 31, we read that there is a conversation taking place. But he also heard the cries of the damned, for Jesus said in Matthew 13, 42, that it is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is a place of touch where you will be able to feel. For he was tormented in this flame. As we speak about the terror of hell, it's not just those things. But some people say, well, that's not too bad because God won't be there. And you maybe heard that preached. And your uh, times hearing people preach about hell, you will hear them say that it's a place of the absence of God. But that is not true, my friend. Hell is a place where God's eternal wrath abides. One writer said, a breath of relief is usually heard when someone declares hell is a symbol for separation from God. To be separated from God for eternity is no great threat to the unrepented person. The ungodly one, nothing more than to be separated from God. Their problem in hell will not be separation from God. It will be the presence of God that will torment them. In hell, God will be present in the fullness of His divine wrath. He will be there to exercise His just punishment over the damned. They will know Him as an all-consuming fire. Revelation 14, 10 through 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever into the very presence of the Lamb. Some will look at this, and they will say, Well, this is cruel, an unusual punishment. Why, how could God do such things? How could God send someone to a place of such torment? It is cruel and unusual punishment. But is it possible for God to be cruel? What is cruelty? Cruelty is inflicting more punishment than is deserved. Cruelty, therefore, is unjust. But you and I know that God is incapable of being unjust. The judge of all the earth will do right. Not only is hell a reality, but its torments are a reality. You need to count the cost today. Will you still turn a deaf ear to the gospel in light of the fiery hell to come? Even in hell, a person will not be able to escape the presence of God. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Well, first it is hell. Second, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? The judgment Hell is not the final end for the Christ rejecter and that abode of Hades, that is not the final end. There is a great tribunal to come. The only reprieve from hell that the lost will ever have, if you can even call it a reprieve, is their being called to the general judgment of all men. I want you to consider with me 
this judgment, its personality. Who will be the judge of the wicked on that day? It will be none other than Jesus Christ. Look with me in John 5, in verse 22. In John 5, 22, the scripture says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Verse 27, And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. In Acts 10, in verse 42, the scripture says, And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which ordained of God to be judge of quick and dead. Who will be the judge of those that were in Hades? It is none other than Jesus Christ. And what will the character of Christ be on that day of judgment? Well, we read in Matthew 25, 31, that he will come in mighty glory with all his angels to sit upon the throne of his glory. And what will he be like? He will be like what we find in Revelation 1, 12 through 18, whose eyes are as the flame of fire in his head like white wool in his mouth like the sound of many waters. And that is the one that they will stand before on that judgment day. Not only its personality, but its certainty. In Acts 17, 31, Because he hath appointed, or he has fixed a day, in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. God has appointed a day, and this appointment none shall miss or be late for. Those that are there in hell today, those that are there in Hades, they will one day be delivered up and they will stand at the judgment bar of God and it is a judgment day they will not miss. We read in Revelation 20, turn there with me, about this judgment of all mankind. In Revelation 20, in verse 11, Scripture says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Do you see it there in verse 13? That death and hell will deliver up their dead before the very judgment of God. Those that are there in Hades will one day be brought before the very judgment bar of God, and they will give an account of their life, and they will be judged by the books that are open, and their name will not be found there. And we will see what will happen if their name is not found in just a moment. It's personality, it's certainty. But this day of judgment, consider with me as well, it's equity. All the ungodly will be judged fairly on that day. They will be judged by the books and by their works. The sinner will receive exactly what they deserve. There is a real judgment by a real judge coming. 
And if you arrive at the judgment having come from hell, you will arrive naked, destitute, and guilty. You will stand before the one whose eyes are as a flame of fire. And there will be nowheres to hide on that final day of judgment. And worst of all, your name will not be found written in the book of life. And you will not be permitted to enter the glory of the Lord. My friends, we must count the cost. Are we willing to die in sin and then bust hell wide open and then stand before the perfect Son of God naked and undone? This is the cost of rejecting the gospel and this is the cost of spurning the Son of God. As far as to my knowledge, all of us that are here gathered, we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I pray that it would strike within you a desire to tell others of this place of torment. It is a place, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Hell in the judgment. But last of all, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? It is the lake of fire. Look with me in Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those who are found wanting in the day of judgment will be cast into the lake of fire. And this word cast means to throw with great force. It is as if heaven will be glad to be rid of the wicked's existence on that day of judgment. And who will be the ones that will cast them into this lake of fire? Well, Matthew 13, 41 and 42 says that at the end of the age, the angels shall gather together the wicked and they will cast the wicked into a furnace of fire. That is the lake of fire. It is the angels that will pick up these men and they will cast and throw them and hurl them into this lake of fire. It is mentioned twice in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 41 and 42 and Matthew 13, 49 and 50. The final end of those who obey not the gospel of God is this place of everlasting eternal punishment. And they will abide where the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and the fallen angels are throughout all of eternity. This place, Christ said, was prepared for the devil and his angels, but lost man will have his part in it. The lake of fire and judgment is forever. There is no annihilation of the sinner. There was a well-known Protestant preacher by the name of John Stott. I'm sure you've heard of him. But he also believed in annihilation. And what he believed is in this passage in Revelation 20, that when the ungodly are finally cast into the lake of fire, that they are annihilated and they fade out of existence. My friend, that would be a gift to the unbeliever. 
to be able to fade out of existence, but just as certain as the righteous will enter in to the glories of their Lord and forever be with Him throughout all of eternity, so the unrighteous, the ones that have not fixed their hope on the living God, will be in a place of everlasting torment forever and ever. Look with me in Matthew chapter 25, and I want to show you this verse that teaches that very clearly. In Matthew 25, the very last verse, verse 46, it states this, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. What is the context of this? Well, the context of this is the judgment. Verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory... And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And these that are the goats will go away into everlasting punishment in contrast with everlasting righteousness. Just as you and I will enjoy the bliss of heaven forever, they will be in the presence of the wrath of God throughout all of eternity. And there is no second chance. There is no get out of hell free card. There is no escaping this place. Jonathan Edwards said that wicked men will hereafter earnestly wish to be turned to nothing and forever cease to be that they may escape the wrath of God. My friends, we must count the cost. The final end of the Christ rejecter is dwelling in the presence of God's eternal wrath. Will this be your end? It does not have to be. Because today, today is the day of salvation. Today the Savior says to you, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today the gates of paradise are swung wide open upon their hinges to whosoever will believe. So today, cast yourself at the feet of the Savior while there is mercy. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. The only way to flee from the wrath to come is to flee to the one who absorbed the wrath of God for his elect. Lay down your arms of rebellion. Come to Jesus, who is mighty to save The cost is too great to die without Christ. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Hell, 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 Hades. There's the judgment and there is the lake of fire. So come to him today and come to him now. You say, well, I'm a great sinner and he will not take me. Well, today Christ receiveth sinful men. All that come to him, he by no means will cast out. Today you could leave this place knowing that you will land in heaven and not land 
in hell. What a glorious thing. But what about those of us that are saved? We can thank the Lord today that we are not going to the place of everlasting torment. We're not going to hell because we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb, not because of anything that we have done, but because of the pure sovereign grace of Almighty God. But how should you and I respond to such a message today? I believe that William Booth gave the proper application to such a message. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. Hear the words of General Booth. He said this, Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go and stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart, soul, body, and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Friend, I don't know more convicting words that I could end with than those words to us this morning to put our ears to the very gates of hell, to hear the cry of the damned, and to go out into the world and tell them that there is a Savior that saves from sin. May God help us and guide us in these days to be a Savior, and uh, to speak of the Savior, and to reach to save people out of the fires of hell. Let's pray. Father... We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth of it. God, your word is convicting. And God, this isn't one of those messages that we hear and we stand and we shout and we say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But God, we can say thank you, Lord, for not sending me to hell. Thank you, Lord, that you have condescended in sovereign love and grace came to where I was and saved me, snatched me out of the miry pit and placed my feet upon the solid rock. God, we praise you and we give you thanks today that we're not going to that abode of the damned, the God that our feet have been turned about. And God, we're headed towards a celestial city. And one day by thy grace thou shalt bring us safely across Jordan. God, we will spend eternity with thee while the ages rule. But God, we heed the words this morning by General Booth about putting our ears down to the Bible, pitting our ear to the very threshold of the gates of hell and hearing the cries of the damned. Oh God, you have commanded us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, God, give us a burden for the lost. 
that we are acquainted with our lost family members, our lost relatives, our lost friends, our lost co-workers, our lost acquaintances, that God, that after hearing such a message, that God, that you would break our hearts, and that God, that we would see that their end is real, that hell is real, that there is a real place of everlasting conscious torment that they will spend if they do not know Christ. Help us to be faithful in our witness and our testimony. For God, we ask all of it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.